What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 124 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with Dolly Rott's lead singer, Kelly Ogden. Thank you so much for checking out my show. If this is your first time joining the Adult Education Podcast, I genuinely hope that you like what you hear and that you decide to stick with us. I'd really appreciate it if you would take a second to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using and feel free to share the show with your friends. I always find that word of mouth is the best way to inspire new people to check it out. Now, this conversation was a real pleasure to have and one that's been some 20 years in the making. I have been such a fan of the band The Dolly Rots since I first heard their song, Because I'm Awesome. If you're not familiar with that song, I suggest you check it out. I, I just, I've just i always loved their energy. I love their music and I love their tenacity as a band to keep playing, touring and recording more than two decades after coming together. It's just so great to see. The Dolly Rots are one of those bands that I've loved forever but haven't had a chance to see live yet. Every time they're in town, I'm either out of town or can't make it. I feel like there's a curse over me when it comes to the Dolly Rots. We've been missing each other for a long time, so I was just very excited to catch up with the band's lead singer, Kelly Ogden. They've got a new song out called Still Holding On and a new album hopefully coming by the end of the year. In our conversation, we talk about the new music and what's coming from them, how life and touring has changed over the years, and what else Kelly's been up to when the band isn't out on the road or recording. Oh, and, and my daughter makes an appearance in this episode. Let's just say that her schedule and my schedule didn't sync up, so she wanted to crash the party. Uh, please enjoy my conversation with Kelly Ogden. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate your time. Sure. Yeah, you got uh, it. <laughs> I, have a, I have a little friend next to me, my two-and-a-half-year-old, uh, did not want to nap the way she normally does. So you may hear her at some times today, but I feel like as a mom, you know hey. all about kids yeah. popping in unexpectedly. My kids are coming soon, so they could also interrupt. That's fine. <laughs> I, I feel like that's just the nature of life at this point, and it's it's okay. I feel like everyone's okay with that now. There were a couple good things that happened over COVID. I think part of it was just normalizing that, hey, some of us like work at home with you know, other creatures around us. We so. had, uh, we had our daughter in December of 2020. And I, I will say like as challenging and as horrible as so many things were during COVID for us, it was kind of a blessing to be pregnant in that time because my wife didn't have to go into work. She was able to work from home. I got to spend the first seven yeah. months of her life with her, like every single day, which I never would have had otherwise. So there were some real like cool yeah. moments that came from it too. Yeah. For us too, our, our daughter, Daisy, oh man, she was like two or three. And she had just started going to daycare and she was not ready, but we were just like full steam ahead. And so we kind of just shoved her into the program. And then as soon as she was home, I was like, you know, I don't think she was ready yet. And this is way cooler that we get to, you know, get an extra year and a half, I think is what we ended up doing. They didn't go back to school until it was a full year that they stayed out. Now our son he was eight at the time. It was not good for him. Yeah. I, I thought like, my, my wife's I mean, a teacher of middle schoolers and she was saying the same thing. Like there are some kids that really grasped it, but then there were other kids like she's getting the kids that were in fourth or fifth grade during the pandemic. Now they're coming into middle school and she's finding out that so many of them really struggled in that moment, like that age group in particular. He is a really social kid and he just, he likes seeing tons of people all the time. <laughs> so yeah. You know, having you two as parents, I'm shocked he's so social, right? <laughs> I know, weird, right? <laughs> it's, oddly enough, I'm really shy unless I'm doing like the band thing. Like if I have to go to a kid's birthday party, I'm like a stomach ache. I'm all anxious. It's like, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm a real Gemini. Like I have like the two sides of me or something, but he, he's a social kid. 
there is something to be said about that. Now, I'm not comparing what I do to what you do, but I, I do a radio show, a morning radio show uh, over here in Baltimore, Maryland. And I think a lot of people, when they meet me, expect me to be this like outgoing, want to talk about everything kind of person. And most of the time, once I'm done my radio show, I'm like, I just don't want to talk to anybody for a while. I just spent five hours talking. I need to just yeah. be alone and decompress yeah. and be myself. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it's it's putting on a show. It really is. I mean... I, I do my radio show at this desk every morning too. And, and it's just like, I'm just kind of, I need to decompress just like I would after a rock show. Like, so you could compare it. I think it's pretty similar. I, I just found out that you do a show today when I was looking up some more information about you. Cause I've been a fan for about 20 years now of the Dolly Rots. And this is my first time uh, seeing you quote unquote in person. I've never caught a show. It's been like, you've been like my cursed band where every time you're in town, I can't make it or I'm out of town. There's oh, always man. something in the way. And I've been so yeah. excited to see you at some point and, and hopefully talk to you. So here we are, we're finally here. Uh, but I do, I love that you have a show on little Steven's Sirius XM channel, because that's actually how I discovered you in the first place. I used to work at a radio station in Philadelphia that ran little Steven's uh-huh. underground garage, the radio program. Oh, cool. And one of my jobs, yeah. it was like an early, job for me I basically had to babysit the program because it came on CD I just had to make sure it actually ran and he was playing because right. I'm awesome on the show and I was like what is this yeah. amazing band on this station that I'm here with and that's <laughs> awesome. how I came across you guys like a full circle moment almost that's really cool yeah it was crazy for me too we you know when that song came out we were on Blackheart Records and Joan Jett was a DJ on his station and so that was kind of how he found out about us that's how that song got played and that really it spurned a lot of very very cool things and then yeah I mean what is it like I think it was 17 years later his label approached us wicked cool and they're like hey you got anything you want to put out on a seven inch or or do something because at that point we had left Blackheart not for any reason other than you know all these other bands were going independent using Kickstarter and you know all the crowdsourcing platforms we were like you know if we're gonna actually do this for a living like we kind of need to hang on to to more of you know the parts of our music or you know, we're not going to make a living doing this. We partnered up with them and it's been really cool. Our last couple of records came out through Wicked Cool. And, and then one day we were driving the kids to school and we were listening to Underground Garage and it used to just be music in the mornings. And I was like, man, Lewis, they got to have a DJ or something. This is like too boring for the mornings. Like, I don't even want to listen. And I kid you not, that afternoon, they gave me a call and they're like, hey, Stevie's over in in the UK and he wants to have a DJ on these hours. Would you want to audition? And so I started auditioning. It took like months, but eventually I got the gig. Yeah, it was October of 2019 also, which ended up being perfect because I had the whole of COVID to kind of learn how to do it. I didn't have to be traveling in between and all that. So it was pretty cool. I'm I'm coming up on my thousandth show. I need to go see what what I'm at. Yeah, because it's five days a week, you know. When you all hit the road, uh, do you still record it from the road or do you have another plan for that? So sometimes I'll record on like travel days or, you know, a couple of the days in the beginning. But then after that, there's no way. It's like pure survival mode because we've got the kids with us. You know, we play when we tour, we play every single night. We, We try to keep it to 14 days or less because of that, because of the kids and, you know, if we just cram it all in and really, really make it concentrated, it seems to work better these days. When are the kids going to start playing in the band and earning their keep? Man, I really I really think soon. Although, I don't know, it, it's kind of changed. They used to come on stage and we would just do like a little family jam. Like River 
we tuned a guitar like, you know, so all he had to do was like hold down one hand for or one finger for a bar chord so we would just kind of like play a little something daisy would play a a a tom you know one of the floor toms and it was really really fun and then this last tour this last march river was like hey i want to tell some jokes on stage because he got like really into dad jokes we're like all right whatever and so now we do that little jam thing for like you know 30 45 seconds and then we hand him the mic and he does like a comedy set and Daisy takes over the whole drum kit and she plays like the rim shots. I don't even know how they know how to do any of this. It is really, really weird. We don't watch comedy shows with them around because of the stuff that we would want to watch, not appropriate. So I really, I don't even know where he got the idea, but he's really good at it. It's strange. So he might end up not doing music anyway. I mean, entertainment's in his blood. <laughs> he definitely has that in him and he got his confidence on stage i wish i was as confident as him he just takes his time and he it's wild it's so wild but yeah now every show that's we do that we never did encores because i just i feel like for like a band of size it just feels kind of pretentious and weird you know and i don't even like it when big bands do it it's just like let's just be done like let's just go and then be done like why do we have to beg pretend beg for you to come back out like I don't know I I just never really understood that so now like four or five songs before the end you know we take a breather have our beers and watch him do comedy it's it's wild Daisy she she wants to be a drummer though so we'll see because that's what we really need yes you you need a solid drummer that can stay with you all the time Yeah, I mean, that would get kind of boring. Like having the different drummers at this point is kind of strategic so that we always have like new energy and, you know, everybody that we work with, like it's just really important that they're positive and, you know, everything feels good because at this point, you know, we don't want to do it if it's not fun and good. So we're really, really lucky to have like a bunch of people to pull from who only come if it's like great for them. If it's like not perfect, not good timing, like Justin, he was our drummer for years. You know, he's he's got a little kid. It's really hard for him to be away now. And so we don't want to pull him away and he doesn't really want to leave right now. So it's like, great, we'll have Simon come and it works out great. And then when Justin needs a break, he could come out again. <laughs> you know, I, I think that makes sense for you too, because you've been a band for 20 plus years now. And, you know, look, the punk rock world can be a grind. I mean, unless you're Blink-182, it's, it's you know, I mean, it's hard work yeah. regardless, but like you're, you're grinding, you're trying to make the money. It's not like millions of dollars are flowing in every single tour stop that you make. Yeah. So at this point, 20 plus years in, I would imagine <laughs> you do have to have the fun in order to make it worth it for you. Yeah. Somehow our band has, is just a slow and steady increase. And so the shows that we're playing now are better than ever before, but it's still not in any way, you know, easy. Like we're still mid-sized club band. And, you know, with that comes challenges for everybody. You know, we don't tour in a bus. We tour in an RV and we get hotel rooms every night. And, you know, part of that is also because of the kids. Like we need a full kitchen and we need a portable backstage that's only for the kids. Like there's so many, so many different details now, but. We find, like, I think we figured it out. It works great. And hopefully the kids want to come for a few more years before they're like, I don't really want to go on tour. And I don't know. We'll see. Maybe that won't happen. 
it, the, the touring world is such a funny world to me. I, I'm a punk rock fan by nature. I've just grown up in that way. But I found myself working in country music radio somehow. And we try to book shows once in a while. And there are artists that, you know, I would say would, would sell out a club about the same size that you'd be playing. You know, artists that if you were to come to Baltimore, you, they would sell at the auto bar, 300, 400 tickets yeah. or something. But they're asking for like $125,000 a night. I'm like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, where do you, who's paying you this money? <laughs> yeah, that's a little much probably it's 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 what the, the industry is just wild like how all that stuff works and i'm so glad that i'm not a uh, a, yeah. a booker for a venue because i would be pulling my hair out at every stop trying to figure this out you know i really they are some of the unsung heroes of of independent rock and roll because that is a thankless job that they do i mean and a lot of people have been doing it for like 20 years like we go back to places because we know the buyers at the clubs and you know, it's hard and nobody ever really thinks about them. It's kind of sad. You know, though, I didn't know that you, you were on a country station and a punk rock fan. Did, have you heard Jarrett Reddick's country album? I have heard the name Jarrett Reddick. I don't think I've heard music, okay. but I've definitely seen the name. Okay. So Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, front guy of Bowling oh, for right. Soup, okay. right? He last year, he recorded his first country album because he grew up in Texas. I mean, he, yeah. Wichita Falls. You know, so he's like a country boy playing punk rock. We went and he did a country album, went to Nashville, did the whole thing. And he released it under Jarrett Ray Reddick. Okay. You've got to listen. I'm going to send you a link after this. Okay. Yeah. I was <laughs> but say, it's, it's amazing. I'll yeah. check it out. It's and it's, it's just really cool because he was able, everybody's just been like, dude, you got to make a country album all the time. And finally he did it. It's, it was good. What's been really fun for me, a lot of the the country artists will do a thing they call radio tour where the record labels will bring them around all the radio stations and say hi, introduce yes. them, kind of get to know people. And what a lot of country artists are solo artists, so they bring players with mm -hmm. them. And I'll be sitting there watching this yeah. artist perform, thinking to myself, I've seen that guy before. Then I find out he played in some hardcore band but moved to Nashville because he wanted to tour for a living. <laughs> yeah. So it's been funny to run into all these yeah. like old punk rock guys that are songwriters or that are playing in these bands that they all just kind yeah. of gravitate towards Nashville because that's the music business right there is country and Nashville. Yeah, it really has moved. Oh, I can't. She's sneaking up behind me. <laughs> you want to say hi? Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm Kelly. Hi, Kelly. We're getting better with our words. We're getting better. I like it. Like. Unfortunately, I, I fear she's going to become a radio DJ. <laughs> it, it could happen. Or she'll just want to do something totally opposite. There's no telling. She's kind of like, you know, the way you were describing your your kids, like they have this different kind of confidence with them. I was definitely the shy kid in the back of the class with like the hood on, sitting, don't, please don't call on me. And uh -huh. she's like, she'll dance uh -huh. in front of everybody. She sings all the time. I mean, we were listening to watching some of your videos before and she was just partying and having a great old time there. And I'm like, I love it. I love that energy. I'm so glad that she was able to get yeah. that from us. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've got some new music out. The uh, the song Still Holding On is out. I, have you announced a new album yet or is that an announcement coming sometime soon i guess it's coming it's definitely happening the end of the year because of vinyl it has to be very very planned ahead but i don't think we've made our official announcement i'll say october you can expect the album okay and this is your first so, album yeah. since 29 first new album new material album since 2019 right yeah we released down the rabbit hole was that 2019 I, I think I down the rabbit say... hole came out in 2019 okay and then 2021 was yeah. the b-sides and um, rarities right Oh, okay. No, you're right. So, so 2019 must have been Daydream Explosion. Yes. And that was the last, yeah. 
studio album, all new stuff. Then yeah, down the rabbit hole happened because during COVID, we were home with the kids. You know, I was figuring out how to be a radio DJ, all those things. And we just didn't have the energy at the end of the night when the kids went to bed to go write music. We tried and tried and there was just no inspiration in that entire year and a half. Like it was, it was kind of brutal and we were just exhausted, overstimulated and understimulated. And the the new album though, not a COVID record, still holding on is probably the closest song to like, you know, we're going to get out of this weird thing that's happening on the whole album. The rest of it is, is pretty, pretty standard Dolly Rots, you know, material. Well, I, I love the new song. I, there's something about the harmonies in the, um, in the chorus that really dragged me into this song still holding on. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's still the very Dolly Rot sound that I've loved for, you know, two decades now, but there's just something about what you do in that chorus. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel like they've hit a whole new level here. Awesome. Yeah. That's John Fields pushing us to be better at what we do. He's been our producer since that first album 20 years ago. He knows exactly what we're capable of. Like he knows not to waste time. If he's like, yeah, you're not going to do that. Like, He'll play bass on stuff sometimes if we just need to hurry up. I'm just like, John, just play it. Like, you know, it's going to take me a half hour to figure out what you're playing right now. So just play it. <laughs> like, it's not, you know, we we aren't precious with that. And John's, he's all over the records, you know, just playing keyboard parts and making us find new harmonies and things. Because Lewis and I do some weird harmonies because we record a lot of of the basic tracks at home in our studio as we demo we try to record the final takes of everything anyway. And so then we go, we meet up with, with John in his studio and that's how we finish the records. And so, you know, sometimes we'll show up and we'll have done a bunch of harmony tracks. He's like, that's just weird and wrong. It doesn't sound good. And then he like mutes it all. He's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And then, you know, it kind of guides us. And, and that's, I mean, that's his place. We call him our George Martin. You want to say hi again? Hi. Hi. Normally my wife is home at 3.30 our time, but she's home late today. And I was like, oh, perfect timing for me. That's great. You got some S-N-A-C-K-S. You know, she's got a ton of them over here. I wish I could tell you. We never let her play with markers. So today I was like, here are all the markers. I don't care. Go wild. Oh, yeah. And she's still like, oh, what's Uh my dad doing? It's parenthood. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Our kids are older, but if they were home, Daisy would be like right behind me on that couch. Oh, yeah. Which I would fully expect. I would fully expect at any time because (laughs) you, you want your kids to like you, right? You want your kids to be excited to be around you and to enjoy some of the things that you do. Well, and now they go to school and I really miss them. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I have that moment. So my daughter is in preschool till like 1145 in the morning and I do my show from five to 10. So there's like a little bit of a window there. And usually I try to get a couple meetings done in there just to get stuff knocked out. But there are days when I don't have anything and I'm like, what am I supposed to do without my kid? Like, she's my playmate. This is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I know this is kind of weird, but I have this one fear about my daughter. I, well, two, I guess. One of them is that she's not going to be interested in anything that I'm interested in. The other is that I'm not going to like the parents of her friends, and I'll be stuck spending all this time with people that I have absolutely no interest spending time with. Yeah, the parents thing, we got really, really lucky. Um, we moved from L.A. back to Florida, where we grew up, like in the Tampa area, right when River was he was eight months old. We went to this, like this preschool that was in the middle of the Heights neighborhoods, Seminole Heights, Tampa Heights, Riverside Heights. And it's right outside of downtown Tampa. So we're still like close enough to downtown. 
we're in like a kind of gritty sub like urban suburban-y kind of area and man we just we really lucked out we love our kids school we love the parents it's it's an artistic community around the school and in the neighborhoods and lots of breweries where people bring their children it's a very easy non-judgmental like let's do this as a team kind of parenthood that we've experienced so far and I'm so so grateful it's it's really cool like we really lucked out it does sound like you all have really found a great community and support group for your family. I was reading something earlier and you had mentioned that while on tour, your kids have a lot of aunts and uncles and we have something similar because neither of our families lives close by. So all of our friends have become de facto aunts and uncles to our daughter. Yeah, that's exactly how it is for our kids too. And it's great. I mean, they're your chosen family, you know. It's so true. I, I really consider ourselves lucky to have good people in our lives. Uh, all right, so back to the music here. Let's circle back here. The thing that drew me into your music is how you seem to mold the punk rock sound with a bit of like that 50s and 60s pop music vibe. H- how did that kind of come together for you? Um, it's just the way that music comes out for us. Every now and then we'll try to write different music just to see what happens, you know, but I mean, typically the way we write songs is Lewis, Lewis will have a guitar riff or a chord progression. He'll play it. And then I like hum or grunt some kind of melody over it. And, you know, then we just fill in the words, we fill in the blanks and, you know, every now and then we'll start with a beat or we'll start with a bass line. But, you know, typically it, it starts with guitar and harmony. And I just growing up in, in Florida, I grew up listening to lots of we had like three really good oldie stations when I was a kid. And so I grew up listening to girl groups and Motown and, and Casey Kasem's top 40. And so that's where all the melodies come from. You know, in my mind, like that's the core of who I am musically. And then Lewis, he grew up playing piano, learning, you know, classical music. His parents are from Ecuador. He was born there. So like they have a different like kind of European musical sense about them, which he, as soon as he could rebelled against completely and went to punk rock. And so that kind of explains how the Dolly Rots sound comes out. It's just when we sit down and make music, that's just what comes out of us. And, you know, we have never fought it or tried to change with trends or anything. We just, that is the music that we make without trying to do anything in particular. And, you know, that is just what it is. My geography of Florida is pretty weak when it comes to where all the towns lay out besides Orlando. I kind of have an idea of where Orlando is. I've been there way too many times in my life. Uh, But at the time where you guys were deciding to become a band and get into everything before you left Florida, Florida was kind of a hotbed for Mm -hmm. like the punk rock world. Like there was a a good decade long where there were a lot of bands popping up from all over that state, if my memory serves. Yeah, it's kind of weird. We we left. Oh, this is what he was talking about. The kids, they're home. Perfect. So, now I don't feel as bad. Okay, good. I'm just going to open the door. Hold on. Go get him. The dog also sounds really angry and barky, but he's he's the nicest. His bark just sounds really angry, even when he's like, my kids are home. He's saying, my kids are home. My kids are home. But he sounds like, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. It's very weird. Um. So we left Florida well, we, we grew up in the Tampa area. Then we went to college, this little liberal arts school called New College, which it's pretty much the end of that. If anyone wants to look into it, some weird political stuff happened because Florida is very, very weird right now. What do you mean? To me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but new college is gonna be different now, um, which sucks. But when we went there, it was just this amazing, it was the honors college of the state system, all liberal arts, um, evaluations instead of grades. Uh, we didn't wear shoes, you know, very, a very free kind of place to learn. Very unlike Florida these days. Yeah, very different. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we only had certain books at the school library, all of that. That's actually what's happening there. It's it's so shocking. It is. But it shouldn't be. We should have expected it. But yeah, we went there, we started the band in the very last year of school. And that's that's the year that Al Gore lost to George Bush. And so we're like, you know what? Screw grad school. Lewis was going to med school. He had taken the MCATs. All that was done. And we were like, forget it. Let's just take one year off. Let's move to California. Go far, far away. We'll establish residency and do grad school in, in California. Like That was the big plan. And so we left Florida in 2000. And at the time, you know, we were only playing really with like metal bands. The whole Fueled by Ramen thing was nowhere near Sarasota. Like for us, like... I think we played with the Ataris once. We played with Yellow Card a couple times. And when I say we played with them, I mean at these like tiny little strip mall storefront, like student collectives where they would sell like cans of Coke and bags of chips. And, you know, it was, oh yeah, this place called the Light Painter Gallery. And then there was this deli. Anyway, these were like really small shows. And, you know, the main booker in the whole region, he had a band that, I guess maybe he saw it as competition to us. It was like female fronted rock. And so they got every single opening slot for oh. like the national bands. So like we were never going to get to play any of those shows or anything. So we we're like, well, let's just move to LA and be a band. And I think at that point we had played, you know, maybe a dozen shows, like real shows. So it's kind of funny and delusional that we ever did that. But once we got to LA, we, we found like a really cool scene within the first couple of years and it was called, what was it called? It was at Mr. T's bowl. And, you know, there were all these bands. It was up in Highland park, which is just North of, of downtown LA. Um, But we played there. And then this thing called kiss or kill was born, which was kind of a, a punk garage scene that we were part of. There's a movie about it. It's called In Heaven There Is No Beer. Oh, and okay. It used to be on Amazon Prime. I can't remember if it, I don't know where you can watch it now, but it's it's on some of the streaming services. We ended up looking like the bad guys because we got signed and started touring and, you know, everyone, you know what happens to sure. scenes. They all die anyway. But it was perfect. And yeah, we didn't, we didn't find ourselves as a band until we got to California. Mm. I don't think it ever would have happened in Florida. Not for us. And, and one thing I want to circle back to something you said earlier, you feel like your trajectory as a band, you know, over the, the years has been slowly climbing and here you are 20 plus years into it. And you feel like maybe now you're kind of at the biggest point yet, which is kind of wild to think that's not usually how it works for bands. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, the shows, our tour in March was our best tour ever. It's wild. And it's so weird. You know, we just did a, a headline tour in February in the UK, it was our first time doing a headline tour over there. And it was amazing. We sold out a bunch of the shows. I mean, in March, we sold out a bunch of the shows at these venues. We've been playing for like 20 years. And yeah, I mean, it's weird, like on Twitter and Instagram, like famous people like our band now, like it's just these things that like, maybe would have happened if we were who we were 20 years ago, 
as a young band now, maybe our trajectory would have been different. Um, but I mean, we started all this before cell phones and, you know, the internet was not what it is now. Um, you know, we would mail things to fans, you know, like we would get fan mail in the, you know, letter form, physical letter form. And, you know, it was just really different. And, and so I don't know, it's, it's been really cool. People discover our band every day yeah. and they're like, you're my new favorite band. And I'm like, wow. You know, they're like 10 albums you could go listen to. Like, it's so wild. It makes it really hard to write set lists though. Oh, sure. I bet. And I mean, anytime you've got a, you've got four or five plus albums, it's gotta be hard to write set lists because how do you whittle all of that? Uh, I, I went to see Taylor Swift over the weekend and, um, oh, awesome. uh, we were sitting there and I mean, it's like a three hour show, but even still, she's only playing like three or four songs from each album and each album has, yeah. I mean, you go deluxe versions. There's like 20 songs on each album. How do you whittle that down? I mean, I guess in that regard, you've got, yeah. you have hits because you have radio, you've got all that. So you have hits that fans expect you to play but still like it's yeah. it's got to be difficult to look at all of your catalog and go all right here are the 15 songs we're playing tonight yeah i mean we usually we go to google and we type in dolly roth's songs and it gives us the list of i think the top 20 and then we go to youtube and we do the top videos and then we just kind of pick from that which means we never play like i never play a lot of my favorite songs because I don't know if anybody likes them even, but it's it's just kind of weird, you know. I don't I feel like we should do one tour where we let the like fans decide, but but then it's like half those people deciding are never gonna go to a show anyway. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, it would be really cool if if we did that. We've been considering doing a like an anniversary tour for Eat My Heart Out, where we play that whole album. Um, because it's 20. Yeah, that's I right. guess it's 20. In the beginning of next year, I can't remember. Yeah, I think uh, I think it would be next spring. Yeah, on your Wikipedia, I think or it says 2004. So yeah, so we were thinking maybe next year we do a Eat My Heart Out tour. But then I'm like, oh man, these brand new fans are they gonna like that? You know, what do I do? <laughs> you know, maybe some of these brand know, new like, fans don't new know songs. it. Yeah, but maybe they'd be introduced yeah. to it while you're out there, and they'd be like, damn, this is some great stuff. Yeah, this is my favorite. Yeah. I will say of, of all the songs and of all the albums, there's so much great music to choose from. I still always come back to New College as one of my favorite songs. I love that song from that album. We usually play that one like half of a tour. We we usually do a rotation of like two songs in the set list. And usually we, we do that one or Pack of Smokes, which is from, I think, Whiplash Splash. It's a newer one, but I really like that one. Well, yeah. I, I'm realizing that in your upcoming tour, you are playing Washington, D.C., which is not that far from Baltimore. So it like, always looks on a map like it's really easy, but you've done the drive before. You know it's not as close as it seems. Uh, but I was the like, belt. oh, perfect. It's like a weekend. This is perfect. I should be able to get down there. And I have a work event that same day that you're going to be here. So once again, the Dolly Rots curse no! is hitting me. And I'm going to, I mean, Julie Rader from Blackheart was like begging, we're trying for years to connect us and make this work because we were like, we, I did a punk rock internet show years ago. And because <laughs> yeah. I'm awesome as a and she was like, you have to go meet them. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. Oh, I miss Mama Julie. I should make her come to the shows. Yeah, she's great. I never met her either. Yeah. We just communicated through email, but she was always so awesome to work with on everything. Just one of the greatest people that I yeah. communicated with in that world. Yeah, she is awesome. I, I love her a lot. 
Well, Kelly, I have, uh, even with the interruptions here, I've just really appreciated having a chance to talk to you. I've been a fan, as I said, for many, many years. And and I, you inspire me. You and Lewis, you inspire me. You've got such a great history. And I, I love that you've found your passion and you've stuck with it for so long. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I've seen a lot of bands from that like early 2000s era that faded out. They've kind of come back around again with the invention of streaming and finding out that there's a lot of interest in their band. And I just think there's a little bit, yeah. a different level of respect for a band like yourselves that just kept doing it like the entire time. We just never stopped. Yeah. yeah. Relentless. <laughs> I love that. I love that. The uh, new song it's out right now is called Still Holding On. I can't wait to hear about the new album and to hear more music that you've got working on because this just seems like some great stuff that you've got coming our way. Uh, Kelly, I, I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. It's good to meet you. And we can talk again when the album's coming out. That'd be yeah. great. Kelly, I would love that so very much. Uh, I'll get back in touch then, and hopefully that time I won't have a tiny human crawling all over me and taking some of my focus away from the conversation. It's doubtful. It's doubtful. I It'll don't. be me next time. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be one of us. <laughs> have fun with your kids. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and I look forward to uh, talking to you down the road. You too. Thank you. Big thank you to Kelly Ogden of the Dolly Rots for her time. I, I'm still just so over the moon that I had a chance to talk to her after all these years of being a big fan. The new music is great. Uh, if you got a chance to check it out, the Dolly Rots have a new song called Still Holding On. Uh, they're like a fine wine, aren't they? They're a band that's like a fine wine. They just keep getting better with age. Also, thank you to all of you for listening. I appreciate your support each and every week that we post a new episode of the Adult Education Podcast. Until next week, be well.